This is the Relevant Podcast. It's episode 966, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me, he's back. From Loveland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. I missed you guys. From Austin, Texas, author, speaker, podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, mogul, producer, Derek Miner. What's happening? What's happening? Well, hey, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to Kel Mitchell, Keenan and Kel. We don't have Keenan, wow. but we got Kel. Kel's Still a legend. We'll take a Kel. Legend. Yeah. I know. Like, take Kel any day. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, Jesse, we're glad to have you back, man. Uh, we, we missed you the last couple episodes. You, you were under the weather. You feeling yep. good? I'm, you- I'm bounced back. I even, listen to this, I even got my teeth cleaned this morning. For this, you know, I was like. <laughs> I can tell just, they're shining. Just for the can show? Can you tell? Yeah. It had been, it had been, this is, they looked at my chart. It had been two years. Uh, okay. I, I, hey, I, I used, the, I used yeah. the pandemic as an excuse. I hate the dentist. But I did make an observation while I was white knuckling the chair this morning. Uh, because hold on, hold on, hold on. Why were you white knuckling the chair? What were they doing? Because I'm at the dentist. They're doing a basic he hates cleaning. The dentist. And, and I hate it. It gives me like serious anxiety. Like I'm literally white knuckling the chair, just trying to think about anything other than all of the like weird little hoses and suction and water picks things that are just happening in my mouth. Right. Are you Do you go to one of the fancy dentists that has like the TV screen above your chair and stuff like that? And you're watching Netflix while they're doing their thing. Th- this one did not have a TV in the actual room, in the cleaning room. I think maybe if you get like a, a root canal or something, Yeah. Uh, okay. but uh, you know, this is kind of the in and out cleaning room, but I did have an observation about every dentist's office I've ever been to. And I was sitting there just trying to occupy my mind. And I noticed the music that was playing and I'm pretty sure that there is like a playlist that has been running in dentist office since <laughs> I, I'm putting the time back to about 95. And they've just realized this is what it's like. It's not quite Yacht Rock, but it's very close. It's it's a little bit. Of, it's easy listening with pep because mm. here's the songs that I heard that I'm pretty sure I've heard softly playing in the background at dentist. Ever since I've been going. And I think the strategy psychologically is not only ease people anxiety, but give them something a little a little positive. You know what I mean? Like I heard walking on sunshine, Caribbean queen, Caribbean queen, you know, uh, red, red wine. Get out of my dreams and into my car. Okay, Mm. (laughs) right there. I feel like there is some like the dental industry. I think it's very lucrative. Okay. Like right. we, 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 we all understand that. We all see right. the bills. Like we all understand like how much money about an hour of the dentist time is worth. Okay. Sure. It is worth a fortune. I think they've hired like the best psychologists in the world to come up with a playlist to make going to the dentist more just universally enjoyable. And this is what they came up with. Was, I don't know. My dentist is evangelistic. He's playing the Christian radio station oh. subversively. So he's doing the positive thing, but he's trying to implant the Jesus stuff when people are trapped in the chair. Mine is more of an agnostic approach (laughs) with like Steve Winwood instead of Stephen Curtis Chapman is is kind of where I'm at here. Is this an observation you guys have made at the dentist or is this just maybe it's just regional? I don't know. I feel like everywhere I've lived, this is the this is your strategy. So you're not you're not talking just elevator music. You're talking like specific 
happy music. Like yes, yeah. but 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 ones that everyone either if they don't know they at least know of. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. oh, I kind of know this song. Yeah, get out of my dreams and into my car. When you Which, said that, I'm like way, that is such a weird song if you think about get it. Get out of my dreams, <laughs> into my car. Hey, that's really good. But you can't Derek, stop the move, Derek. That was straight up Michael McDonald like channeling him. That was incredibly impressive. So there was this uh this Instagram uh that I follow and he did trap Michael McDonald. So what he would do is he would have videos of old Michael McDonald and they would sing like trap songs in Michael McDonald's voice. And it was the funniest thing I ever seen in my life. So it would be like uh it was, I, I have to send y'all this, but so I, that's how I channel my inner Michael McDonald. Cause I would watch those Instagram videos over and over again. So it's like, just imagine, uh, Michael McDonald singing back that thing up. It's the funniest videos in the world, but now nah, I, um, man, my, my uh, dentist office is a little lit. You know what I'm saying? They don't, it's you know they don't play like hip hop, but they do play lo fi. Like you know, I go in there, you get yeah. a little, you get a little lo fi bounce to it, and it's pretty cool. You know, I gotta, I, I like my dentist. I've been going to this, this same dentist for for. I mean, it's the first dentist I picked as an adult. Yeah, they've been taking care of me and my kids the whole time. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, is he like super old now though? Like, nah, so he, he was a young. It, that's crazy. He was a young dude. Like, so he was just kind of just starting his practice. And uh, yeah, nah, we've just kind of been growing together. Just That's you know what I'm always saying? the question when you go to the doctor's office and someone comes in and you're like, how old are you? Like, you're yeah. like, do I want you giving me a root canal right now? Because I think you just learned how to do this last semester. Well, see, I felt the <laughs> yeah. opposite direction. I felt like, okay, this guy's kind of young. So he know how I feel to, to be in the dentist chair. Yeah. So he's not going to try to, you know, like, so he had this one uh, dental technician and she would clean our teeth. And man, I would feel like I got punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. And it was just like, yo, my whole face swollen. The next thing you know, she wasn't there. He wasn't playing it. He's like, oh. yo. Yeah. So it's like I really rock with with this dude. He he I feel like I was like, okay, I got a good vibe off of him. And he's like one of them, he's a white guy, but he's like one of the white guys as you like, you know he listened to Outcast. Like you can just kind of tell he grew up listening to Outkast. He's like a hip white dude that's kind of yeah. cool. So I'm like, all right, I'm rocking with this dude. Like I, I feel like the vibe is there. So he's playing Lo-Fi, man. You know they got Netflix on in there, and yeah, it's it's a it's a dope it's a dope situation. That's a, that's the thing that it's more dentists should be like spas and less like the worst oh, doctor's yes. appointment that you can possibly imagine. You uh, know, but there's a line though because there's a dentist near me that he he went to the affluent area of town and he opened this practice and he calls it the dapper dentist. And it's Ooh, like bespoke, bespoke like really cool hipster dentistry. I'm like, I don't want to go there. No, I don't nah, want to pay bro. for all that extra stuff. I just, just do your job, you know, get my teeth clean. I don't yeah. Yeah, that. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Like it's the, the, there's a fine line between hip and try hard. You try know what I'm saying? Hard, like yeah. dapper dentistry feels like, yeah, We're trying a little too hard. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and the logo like, has like the mustache. It's like yeah. hipster. It's uh, so yeah. stupid. That, that, that's the thing. Like if I'm getting, if that's I'm getting like a, 
Yeah, if I'm getting a haircut and a shave or something, you know, like that's cool. That's like what you I want. want the I want the old school they, because they took their time back then. It was a different art. I don't want dentistry from the turn of the century here, <laughs> where, nah, bro. You, where like one in ten straight up died because <laughs> it was like, and if you're going to the dentist, you were either getting wooden teeth or you had like an abscess that was literally life threatening. You know, there's yeah. like, like I don't want to. I don't want my mind to harken back to the. Right. 19, to 1920s dentistry. Like, yeah, a haircut. <laughs> give me that cool kind of greaser, you know, yeah. uh, like, uh, you know, roaring 20s look. Sure. Why not? Have have a nice uh, beverage and, and a cozy leather chair. Sure. I do not want turn of the century dentistry. Nope. That's that's straight up a nightmare. I, I don't like that not. vibe at all. That's not like torture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I did not expect that, that we would start the Kel Mitchell episode. <laughs> talking about our dentistry preferences. I hope our listeners have stuck with us. All right, moving the show along. Stay tuned. Up next, Tyler joins us for Relevant Buzz. For all I know, this might be Listening to Metric, the song is All Comes Crashing. Love Metric. Feels like it's 2011 all over again. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen Season 4 are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. All right, it's time for Relevant Buzz. Please welcome to the show Relevant Senior Editor Tyler Huckabee to tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everybody. What's going on? What's the buzz? Slow week. Slow week at the intersection of faith and culture. Not a whole lot to report. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Twitter has been so much fun this past week. (laughs) I logged off, fellas. Just let y'all know. I had to. So we are. We are recording this on Wednesday, just a couple of days, of course, after a leaked draft of a decision from Justice Alito that if it were that if it were decided, if the decision actually were to be carried down, would overturn Roe v. Wade in the U.S., removing the federal protection for abortion rights across all 50 states, leaving it up to the state's decision. Now, there's a lot we don't know about this and a lot could change between now and even the time that you all hear all this. So I want to be really careful about how much we say here, but something that we looked into a little bit over at relevantmagazine.com that I think is sort of interesting and gets sort of lost in these conversations is how Christians actually feel about something like this, because I think a lot of times the media sets it up as a very polarizing binary option. People are either for a complete and total ban on or on abortion or for a complete and total access to abortion in every case. And that is just not the reality for the vast majority of Americans. And that includes Christians. Most Christians in this country do not support a total 
ban on abortion. Uh, in fact, the most white evangelicals who have the highest support for a total ban, only 36% of them said they agree with the statement, quote, make abortion illegal in all circumstances. And that would be with zero exceptions for things like rape or incest or a medical risk to the mother. Uh, and there, white evangelicals are a little bit of an outlier there, even. Most religious groups, uh, such as mainline, mainline Christians, uh, black Protestants, other religious groups like Jews and Muslims, it's a little more like 20%. Most religious groups do prefer some sort of exceptions for certain cases. So that's just something that you don't necessarily hear a lot about in a case like this. And it'll be sort of interesting and complicated to see how that works out if this decision does get passed down. This is a hard subject, I think, for me to wrap my brain around. It's not a hard subject on my views on abortion. I, I'm pro-life. I, I lean that way. I, I believe in the sanctity of life from conception, all the things. Hey, and to be clear, relevant, pro-life, like uh, holistically yeah, pro-life. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just want yeah, yeah. to make sure that our listeners are clear about where we're coming from. But. Yeah. And so for me, the, the, the nuance and the struggle comes in for me personally, as in when this, um, let's say this were to happen, like where is the Republican party going to come through with the compassionate care for all of the Mm -hmm. children who will be born, all of the mothers who will have children who didn't clearly want to make that decision, but they were forced to make that decision. And so it's almost like I kind of step into this water, a little timidly of like timidly of, yes, I am so adamantly pro-life. I also get super, super frustrated that it is like so extreme where I feel like a lot of times um, we see the different parties uh, leaning so far to their sides that we're forgetting about mothers in the middle here. Um, I I mean, you know, Republican party is like, we want to say babies. We want to say babies. I want to, I want to see the Republican party say, we want to save women as well. And like, we, we need, you know, family leave. We need better healthcare. We need public housing. We need all of that stuff for women. Mm -hmm. If, if this is going to go through, then I, I also expect and want to see, the next day, a million things come forward of how are we going to care for women? That's Absolutely. where I land on it. And and I don't think that a lot of people are, are going there. Yeah, Jamie, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I honestly, with this topic, I, I, I had to call my mom mm. and be like, what should I think about this? Because, you know, as a as a man, I, I don't want to I don't want to speak on a subject that I don't know much about, you know, and I, I'll never have to carry a baby or anything, but I think I kind of land where Jamie has landed. And even on the idea of this, I remember Cameron, we talked uh, last week about Florida, how you said when they, you know, rescinded the, you know, they, you know, DeSantis was like, yo, we're getting rid of Disney as Uh a city that they didn't do any thought on what would be the outcome of what happens after that. What happens if this goes through, yeah. Mm -hmm. If this goes through. And I I feel like this is the same kind of situation. I've said this on the podcast before we brought this issue up. Like, hey, be pro-life, but if you're going to be pro-life, if you're not going to create programs to help Mm -hmm. struggling women who are carrying babies or have to go through with this, then you're not really pro-life at all. In in my opinion, uh, you know, that's just... Yeah, so that's all I got on it, though. And I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm pro-life as well. And I think, though, it's easy to conflate ending Roe v. Wade with ending abortion. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, well, mm-hmm. we made drugs illegal, mm-hmm. so drugs are no longer a problem. It's like, mm-hmm. well, now mm-hmm. they're absolutely, you know, like, or, or look at prohibition. And it's like mm-hmm. prohibition drove, organized crime started in America because of prohibition. 
they incentivize interstate uh, crime. Basically, you know, uh, taking contraband material over border, uh, over state borders. And, you know, so the people could have a product they wanted that was illegal. In that case, it was alcohol. Now, I'm not saying that the wrong strategy is to restrict access to abortion if you're pro-life. But I also think there's a degree of naivety in that seems to be evident in some uh, parts of the pro-life movement that this is the end of abortion. When the the reality is like when something becomes illegal, that doesn't necessarily make it uh, um, ends it. it. It drives it underground and creates kind of a different sort of mm-hmm. of issue that I feel like is not being addressed. Because as soon as the access is limited in in different states, it doesn't mean the demand goes away. Yeah. And if churches start, you know, or 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 if I was not, I shouldn't say churches, if you know, the pro-life movement is solely focused on overturning Roe v. Wade. It's it's more treating a symptom than the problem. And and the problem, like you to your point earlier, Jamie, is, you know, there's a lot of young uh, uh, women who feel like this is the best option for them, where it should be, you know, ideally the role of the church to go in and say, hey, we there are other options for, mm-hmm. you know, a pregnancy that may be unwanted that doesn't necessarily uh, culminate with the termination of the pregnancy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, just, you know, whatever you think as this kind of plays out in the coming weeks and months, you know, I mean, the reality is, is all they're talking about is removing the federal protection. So it's going to go back down to the States. And right. If this is an issue that you're passionate about one way or the other, you can make a difference at your state level, you know, like every state will be, will approach it differently. And what's interesting is Tyler and I were talking yesterday is that this is going to kind of create two Americas. You know, even more so than we have now, it's almost That's like physically where you live. Too late. <laughs> well, physically where you live, it's like okay, my yeah. state is you know mm-hmm. uh, has has abortion uh, priorities, and my state has restrictions and. I, that's going to affect where I raise my family, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And so you're, I think you're going to start to see migration shifts because of this legislative uh, decision. It's going to be interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, be interesting. Right. What else do you have, Tyler? Well, and too, we're, we're covering this at the site and of course there's a lot of content and a lot of, of nuance and a lot of conversation happening. Lots so. of stuff there. And we'll be, we'll be trying to cover as much of it as we possibly can. Um, shifting topics a little bit, but in the interest of transparency, I have a question for you guys. Has your, we, we've seen a lot of news about Netflix for the last few days and sort of, you know, the stock market and Netflix, you know, losing subscribers. Before we get into this, has your, has anyone's relationship with Netflix, would you say it's changed over the last year to year and a half? Do you feel like, how do you, where do you feel like it's fallen in your ranking of the streaming services that are available? It's it definitely taking a step back for sure. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. See, I see Netflix as the comfort food, right? Like uh-huh. it's the little Debbie snack of streaming, <laughs> right? Like I'm not quite hungry enough for dinner, right? I'm yeah. not quite, you know, that's I, I'm HBO not, or something. Yeah, th- exactly. Yeah. That's HBO yeah. or Apple, right? If not, I'm not quite to the point where I need to do like a Chick Fil A run. That's like your Hulu's and your Peacocks. It's like <laughs> it's mid afternoon. I just need to pick me up. I just need some comfort food. I'm going to take that little that Twinkie. That's Netflix. <laughs> And honestly, like half the content is is some sort of game show involving baking cakes. So, you know, I, I feel like Is It Cake is a great show, by the way. We love it is, at our I've, house. I've is it, it Cake is a great show, by the way. I haven't watched it yet. All right. So that so there's a reason for that, which you Jesse, you're I think you're very much in line. I think this this podcast is very much in line with the general attitude about Netflix. It used to be dominant, sort of taking a dive. It's not just your imagination, and there's a reason behind it. And we're gonna get a little petty here. We're gonna get into a little 
little behind the scenes drama, but I think it's interesting, kind of says a lot about where streaming in general could be going. So a few years ago, there was a woman who worked at Netflix by the name of Cindy Holland, and she has in recent months been credited with a lot of Netflix's early success with its original content, stuff like The Crown, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black and Stranger Things. These were all her babies and the and what made them work, according to the people who worked on them, was she took a very hands off approach to how these were made. We get the creator in the front door, we sign the check, and then we step back and let them do whatever they want to do with it. And creators really liked this. It was how Netflix was able to win over some big names from more established traditional studios because they said, if you have a passion project, we'll sign the checks for it. These were very expensive projects, but they became cultural phenomenons. All of those became very, very big hits for Netflix. And what happened in recent years was Netflix shifted its approach. They started putting this woman, Cindy Holland, on the back burner. Instead, chief content officer Ted Sarandos has been calling the shots, and he prefers casting a wider, cheaper net, dialing up the number of shows and dialing down the curation. One source for The Hollywood Reporter called it the Walmartization of Netflix, doing quantity over quality. He said, we're spending too much on not enough shows. He'd rather spend a lot of money on a lot of cheaper shows like what we're seeing here. And that has led to a lot of what we're seeing now and to the point where Cindy Holland, her last show that she worked on for Netflix was The Queen's Gambit. Obviously a huge hit, very, very expensive for Netflix, but paid off in a big way for them during the pandemic. And then shortly after that, she was forced out and moved on. And now the original content is a lot of what we're seeing here today now. So that is a little bit of the drama. This is all like off the record, you know, sources, talking to sources, but it was all published in this very long, very interesting piece at The Hollywood Reporter. This sort of explains maybe the two different systems you could bring to your streaming service. And Netflix is banked on one and we're seeing what happened to it. I was talking with my business partner um, at our record label and we were talking about the issue with business and art because art is such a, it's, it's a hard thing to put a, to, to, to nail down because if I'm just selling refrigerator parts or car parts, like, Hey, someone's car breaks down, it needs brakes. I have the best brakes for the cheapest price most people will buy from me if my marketing is correct. Art is hard because it has to connect with people on a level. And sometimes the financials don't always make sense at first, but they begin to make sense later if the people connect with it. And it seems like Netflix has done what a lot of record labels do all the time. They have these artists that are passionate about their music, passionate about, you have an A&R that's like spending money on making sure that the records are phenomenal. And then they're like, yo, we're spending too much money to keep these guys Uh creative or whatever. Let's just bring in these young artists and just fart out records left and right. And then what happens (laughs) is it just burns the brand and dilutes Mm -hmm. the record label. And then you're like, man, I remember when that record label was hot. You know what I mean? And that seems like that's what's happening with Netflix. Just just for the money, it's just tough now to justify. They keep raising their prices. They're going to limit password sharing or eliminate it or make you pay Mm -hmm. for it. Like when you, for the same price or cheaper, can have the Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus bundle for the same price as Netflix. (laughs) Or for less money, you could have HBO Max. Or for less money, you could have Peacock. I mean, it's like... Why do I need Netflix? You know, right. like Hulu's got all these great shows and then you have all the Disney Plus stuff. I was like, for less money, 
I don't know. I canceled Netflix the other week. I just like oh, oh yeah. Did. I'm thinking I'm thinking about it, man. I'm pretty yeah. close. I, I switched over. I hadn't had Hulu ever. And I was just seeing Hulu, all these like great shows that they were yeah. doing Hulu originals. And I was like, I want those. And I'm looking at Netflix and they have nothing that I want yeah. other than Ozark and you know, an old Breaking sure. Bad episode or something. And Ozark just like, did his last episode. Yeah. Right? Ozark's out. <laughs> I watched it. So I canceled Netflix, watched Ozark, and now I'm over on Hulu. But for me, Apple TV Plus is the new HBO as far as prestige weekly programming. HBO Great Max choice. is stepping into what Netflix used to be with the great originals and quantity and friends and other things, you know, other kind of old school stuff. Peacock has The Office and a bunch of, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. SNL and junk. It's like, why do I need Netflix? I mean, it's just decentralized, it, you know. It, Netflix now reminds me of like watching VH1 in the middle of the afternoon in like the early 2000s, where it's just like <laughs> weird dating shows, like Flava Flav, like Flava Flav had like six shows on that. Like they were just filling with whatever they could. And they knew, like, well, if you stumble on it, so the premise of this, they have to get married without ever seeing each other. That's like half of ne- like Netflix. I feel like the executives just come up with like a weird game. You know, it's like, hey, what if it's a dating show, but they all dress up like animals? Oh, <laughs> like, gosh. And let's just yeah. put it on right. there. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. their strategy right. is like, let's take a, a convention, like a baking show or a dating show or, or you know, whatever, or a real estate selling show and give it some insane twist and just see if people will watch it. That honestly seems like what their strategy is. At this so you said Netflix is daytime TV now. It's it's Wheel of Fortune. Or yeah. it's uh, Price yeah. is Right. It's soap it's opera. Yeah. 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 It's homesick. Yeah. 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 It's homesick. Yeah. Yeah. It's homesick. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, it's the comfort oh, food, man. It's chicken noodle soup for streaming. Like, I'm not going to dive in to, a, you know, a five-hour Lord of the Rings new show on Amazon that costs $6 billion. But I'm going to watch this person cut open <laughs> that birthday cake and tell me if it's actually a giant sponge or not. I'm in. Just that, that I don't want to think right now. Oh and that, for me, I'm sort of going, that's not worth $200 a year for me anymore. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just kind of like, yeah. if I'm going to waste my time or spend my time watching TV, I want something more than that out of yeah, it. Yeah, I have yeah. YouTube. I can watch like weird, you know, prank <laughs> videos on YouTube if I really want to turn my also, mind off. Do you guys feel like, you know how when you're flipping to the radio station and you can just tell when it's Christian rock? Like, you don't like you don't know what it is for <laughs> sure, but you're, you don't even hear lyrics, but you're just like, that's a Christian. This is a Christian yeah. rock. So Netflix has it too. Whatever that camera they use, whatever the Netflix <laughs> camera is. If I if if it was on TV, I'd be like, this is a Netflix original. I, I yeah. can, there's something about it, and it's not a good. It's that's not a compliment. It doesn't look good. There's oh. even good directors like like The Power of the Dog, Best Picture contender. I thought it was a great movie. Jane Campion is a wonderful yes. filmmaker. It looked weird. It just didn't. There's something about it. Just didn't. Whatever their presets that they uh-huh. send to their cameras <laughs> to use are, they need to adjust them. It, it's yeah. off. Get, it's, get Jack Harlow in there. And let him tweak the knobs a little. See exactly. if it comes up. Exactly. Where did it turn? Like when did when did? Because I'm trying to I'm trying to when, think. What's when your did name it left? When yeah, this lady yeah. left? I mean, yeah. when did that yeah. happen? When did I was Holland, yeah, Cindy Holland? That was yeah. She so she left during the pandemic. During the pandemic, it was it was like peak twenty, like the end of twenty twenty, if I remember correctly, December. And think of about just the production timeline. Year wow. year and a half later, mm-hmm. we're now getting the results of that and it's just oh, like man. it just fell off and it's like I have no desire to pay for this anymore and what's interesting is this all kind of this buzz about like am I crazy or is Netflix not good anymore like yeah. that all happened because a couple of weeks ago they had their first quarter earnings call and for the first time in Netflix history they lost subscribers yeah they mm-hmm. lost 200,000 subscribers globally okay 
200,000 out of, you know, 100 million doesn't sound like very much, but they were, they then said that they anticipate that in the next month, they will lose 2 million more subscribers. Jeez. And it's like, people are just like, the rats are jumping off the ship. And I'm going, you know what? Seeing that news just kind of made me think about Netflix. And I'm just kind of going, why am I spending money on this? And so I just went and canceled. You know, it's just yeah. like, whatever. The, the other thing, too, and, and a lot of these streaming networks are going back to the week to week releases where it's like, you know, Netflix has been so devoted to the binge watch experience, which, look, it's fun when you're in the middle of it. But it's like Squid Game was the biggest show in the history of television for like 12 days. And mm-hmm. now it's like I saw somewhere in a Squid Game T-shirt the other day. I was like, oh, I kind of forgot about that. But there was a moment yeah. where it was the biggest show in the world. And yeah. it's like you wonder if they're sort of a victim of their the success of their own model. Uh-huh. Because they had to keep feeding the beast and burning through like really expensive programming. Are we are we shifting back to 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 that that whole to format to week to week? Absolutely. So Apple TV are, Plus, are cable their, back? their prestige shows come out on Fridays. HBO, their prestige shows comes out on Sundays. I mean, it's just mm. everybody has their Wednesdays. day now. Yeah, I hugely prefer it. I think it's so much better, and it builds conversation. Like I it's think water cooler. Like we come to work yeah. and we get to talk about. The show this week it's, it's, is a, it's fun to talk about. Like, did you see Moon Knight last night? Oh, what a cliffhanger! I don't know what the, you know. That right. sort of stuff is just fun. When a whole season drops all at once, I don't have time to watch a whole season in a week. Like, I've got a, I've got stuff going on. I can't just sit down and watch a whole season. And everybody's it feels way more individual instead of the communal experience. Yo, is this post pandemic we changed? So mm. pandemic binge watching was like that was it because we were stuck. Now maybe. everybody's yeah, back to maybe. work. Going traveling, it's like I don't have time to binge watch a whole show. I just need to get my little piece uh, every See, day. At our house, I I'm I don't watch anything live. I, I if you mm. say something came out on Sunday, I I don't have time to watch it till Tuesday because I have all these teenagers. Like there's, we're never just home at night watching TV. If that makes sense, it's like well, they're, oh, not, they're not up doing on the live though. They're just right. like saying on Friday nights all the new shows are dropping. You know, like they're they're just. It's just kind of appointment viewing that way, but you can watch it whenever. I mean, yeah, for sure. But I don't get to have that community. No, I'm saying, how many shows do you watch when you sit down and watch a show? Though, are you watching two or three Ozarks, or are you just watching one Ozark and be like, all right, I'll catch the other one tomorrow? Or how? How's Ozark is interesting because I read about uh, these last six episodes and and how it's pretty much the end of an era of this Netflix approach Mm -hmm. to writing because. Mm -hmm. They mm. literally write like Ozark has to have crazy plot reveals nonstop yeah. to mm-hmm. keep you going because they know that you're going to watch from episode to episode to episode and you, the guy has to keep building and keeping you. Uh, if you were just watching one at a time, they okay. don't need to have so much crazy twists and turns. Yeah. And so uh, like when you're looking at the other prestige programming that's coming out in the weekly, it's not like Ozark. Ours, Ozark really is a thing of like you watch three hours in a row or else, mm, you know, it's mm. like meant to be watched yeah. like that, you know? So mm. interesting. But I do think we are going back to weekly. I do think the Netflix model of we're going to throw out an entire season at once had its day. Yeah. And it's just not practical for the studios to create content like that. It's not sustainable, you know, but Netflix yeah. has got to figure something out because they're getting yes, passed they by everybody else. You yes, know? they do. They're getting lapped. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I don't yeah. watch Netflix. Anyway. All right. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. Make sure to check out relevantmagazine.com and your daily web browsing. There's a lot of good stuff we're publishing and um, also follow us on all the socials. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, guys. 
All right, stay tuned up next. Kel Mitchell joins us. Listening to Brandon Lake, the song is Help, all caps with an exclamation point. You must be in need of some assistance. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Kel Mitchell. He's an actor and comedian uh, that you know him from like Nickelodeon's All That, Good Burger. These days, he's partnering with World Vision to help provide clean water to kids in need. He sat down with uh, Tyler to discuss how Christians can thoughtfully choose which causes to devote their time and resources to and the connections between spiritual health and holistic health. Here's our conversation with Kel Mitchell. So let's talk about blessed mode a little bit. The uh, <laughs> I mean, when you sit down to to write a devotional like this, uh, what surprises did you find along the way? Did the book that you had in your head uh, was that was that actually the book that came out uh, by the time you were done with it? Uh, it definitely changed a lot of times um, as far as like the order of it because it's ninety devotionals. Uh, I also wrote this during the pandemic. Uh, I also yeah. came up with. You you know, my own uh, thoughts and things that were going on in my life that, you know, I, I had a baby during the pandemic as well, which is also super awesome. Congratulations. Uh, and, and, and yeah, it's just, it was just like so many breakthroughs that happened within this book, but it really showed me how to be even more transparent. Uh, Cause I was like, should I put this in the book? Should I really put this in the book and let people know? And I was just like, yeah, let me put this in the book because I want people to really hear my heart how God brought me through so many different things. And I want them to know what the designer knows. That's another reason why with Bless Mode, the name of it, uh, it comes from a video game analogy, right? So in video games, you have God mode. And that's something that designers created when they made the video game. So they could go inside the video game and fix any bugs or anything that's going through uh, it. And right. they could skip levels. So when consumers found that, what started to happen was, was that, now the players would start to go, oh, up, down, left, right, start in Nintendo. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> I did, they yeah. Used to do that. Yeah, man, and get different levels. And so they knew what the designer knows. And so for me, it's like, when well, you know what God knows about you and know that you're beautifully and wonderfully made and you have a purpose you were born for a reason and in every emotional walls there's a blessed breakthrough uh that's just it's so freeing for so many people and that's why they bless mode yeah 
I think it'd be really interesting to write something as vulnerable and honest as this for you, um, because people have a very clear idea in their head of who Kel Mitchell is. Like a lot of us have grown up with you and, and we have one image of you. And then to see this, that, that could kind of undermine that image a little bit. So I'm wondering if it was hard or, or felt particularly vulnerable for you to expose your real self like this. You know, yeah, um, it was in the beginning because, you know, like when you're adulting in the public eye, I mean, you're subject to all kind of like comments and people's ideas of you and just being a celebrity in general, that's going to happen. You're like, you think mm. you're doing something and you're putting it out there and then just you're subject to criticism, opinion of people's thoughts and their process of what they're dealing with at that sure. moment. Yeah. And so when I decided to go, because that's pressure, you know, you get a lot mm -hmm. of pressure from that. And so when I decided to go, you know what? I'm just going to do what God wants me to do and not care anymore about what they think about me and what comments are in there. Yeah, I see it. And it might make me go, whoa, <laughs> you know, or somebody might say something, but that's life. You know, everybody's not going to like what you're doing. You know, sure. everybody didn't like Jesus when he was going, you know, sure. to, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. uh, it's a hard pill to swallow when you got to go. Yep. I can't be a people pleaser. I got to really just do what God wants me to do. And uh, when I decided to go, OK, I'm going to continue to be transparent. It's such a beautiful thing because you have people that come up to you uh, when I'm at events. And there, there are fans that come up to me that know me from my characters, but then they say, hey, man, I, I didn't know that you had you went through these different things and obstacles. I'm going through that now. And I love uh -huh. how you talk about your faith. And and so on a broad scale, uh, it's really helped me out a lot. And that is the part where I go. Yep, that's why I'm being transparent. That's why you continue to do it, because you can help others. Yeah. Okay, I do want to talk about World Vision a little bit. And first up, I, I know you're working with them right now. Can you tell me a, a little bit about what you're doing with them? Okay, so uh, World Vision, you know, I love them. I love working with them. And the thing about it is that a lot of kids, uh, they don't have clean water, you know, mm -hmm. in, in different countries all, all over. And the thing about it is that World Vision is bringing clean water to them, uh, which is awesome. We're doing the World Vision 6K, uh, which we did uh, last year as well. And uh, it's just so much fun. We're going to literally be running six kilometers which is like three miles, right? Uh, we want everybody to register. You can register online at worldvision6k.org. Uh, and that $50 of that registration, what you're doing is, is that you're sponsoring a kid and you're bringing water to them and their family, clean water. Uh, you get this T-shirt and a picture of them. And what's cool about it is it says every step you take is one they won't have to uh, because these kids have to travel so far to go get clean water. And a lot of times that is a lot of young ladies that are doing it and they're carrying, you know, mm -hmm. water the size of a microwave on their back for three sure, miles sure. just to get clean water to their family. Sure. And so um, I love World Vision. Uh, they have the same heart I have as far as helping the youth and helping the next generation. Uh, and this is just such an awesome event to get into. So yeah, totally, totally rock with it. Uh, run with us. It's fun. Uh, you can get on a treadmill too. If you don't want to run, <laughs> you know, you, yeah, get, and get with a group, uh, do it with everybody. Yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. I know you're a guy with a lot of issues on his play. A lot of people coming to you asking for help for their cause or their organization. What is it about World Vision for you that drew you to their work? 
You know, what, what I saw was that, uh, of course, the faith that's involved in it and, you know, with them being also believers as well uh, and bringing God uh, all, over to wor- all over the world and letting people know about that. And then also changing lives. Right. Uh, for me, uh, being in uh, industry and family entertainment for so many years, you know what I mean? And, and working with youth and working sure. with teens and then also being a youth pastor, uh, I saw what World Vision was doing and changing kids lives around and making them smile and uh, helping their families out. It's like, I got to do it. And a cool thing about uh, working within Nickelodeon and Viacom and TV, all that stuff like that, is that we're shown all over the world, you know, sure. and you yeah. can see Keenan and Kel in different languages and all this sure. stuff. And so I was like, well, you know, I, I reach out in America to different people and everything like that and in the UK. And I was like, well, how can I even reach out even more uh, and show people love and help out and world vision? You know, they're all over the world. Uh, that's important to me to work with them. Yeah. <laughs> Something you've mentioned a few times in this conversation is the connections between spiritual health and physical health and how those two can sort of go together. What would you say to someone, devil's advocate, what would you say to someone who says, Kel, I I like you, I like what you're saying, and I care about my spiritual health, but I'm just not a physical health person. That's just not me. Uh, How would you answer that? Yeah. So in bless mode, the thing about it is, is that it's your everyone comes to it on their own with physical health and even when uh, with faith, you know, and them uh, giving their life to Christ, it takes time, you know, and think Mm -hmm. about it is that you have to sow a seed. Some people get it, you know what I mean? And then others is going to take time. It's like, I tell my youth all the time, it's like when you're praying for a friend, you know what I mean? And you want them to give their life to Christ and you're praying for them, but then they're just stubborn or don't want to do it. And everybody has their own journey. And the thing about it is, is that being that you talk to them and you told them about your life in Christ and you told them about your faith, you still sowed that seed. It's still there. It just has to grow. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. even with mm-hmm. exercise, I don't tell people like, hey man, stop eating that. Throw that out your mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a thing of, you know, uh-huh. through my actions and through my stories, I'm going, hey bro, you know, I, I fainted one time because I was taking the wrong type of pre-workout. You know what I mean? Or I didn't know the right workouts to do, so I had to get adjusted because I actually hurt my back and I couldn't walk. And like these are the things that you hear in Blesmo. And then just the cholesterol that's involved in certain foods. And it's just those little things where you tell your story. So then maybe they'll go, hmm, yeah, I remember when Kel told me that that's happening to me now. Okay. Well, let me start to take care of myself in this uh-huh. way. Not yeah, where you're yeah, talking down. It's more of I'm sharing. And then as I'm sharing, it's a remembering to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That was Kel Mitchell. All right, stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. You're listening to Arcade Fire. The song is Unconditional One. Parentheses, Lookout Kid. We got the uh, pre-release of their album last week, two weeks ago. 
It's unreal. I can't wait for y'all to hear. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we got talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter and how that, you know, just kind of wondering what he's up to with all that. And then, uh, you know, thinking that this also might be an opportunity to improve Twitter. So we asked you if you could give Elon any suggestion, what would you want to change about Twitter? You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. And here's a few of our favorite replies. I like this one from Mark where he suggested that we change that he changed the algorithm. So I'm not seeing live in-game sports updates two days after the fact. That is true. Oh, that happens true. all the time. And I, and I know the technology exists. It can't be that hard to determine if this tweet is about a live game. That it, Because sometimes I'll see a score update and I'm like, what? How did I miss this? I'm like, oh, it was from two days ago. I was totally present for this. Yeah. Yeah. The algorithm thing, not just for Twitter, but for all of them needs some work. Like I, I'm, I'm seeing people on IG going, "Hey, are y'all seeing this? Because I know the algorithm; they're still tweaking it. You know, let me know if you see this. You know, it's very similar yeah. to Twitter. Yeah. It's like who knows." Aaron Strasburg says, "Make the edit button free. Is it not going to be free?" Well, they're they're talking that there would be paid features. Oh, like yes, if you want to be, be like a a pro user with an edit button, you pay a subscription fee. Got it. Stuff like that. Yeah. There's rumblings. There's a lot of hearsay right now. A lot now. of rumblings. He's got to figure out a way to make money, extra money, because yeah. $44 billion is a lot of money for a free service. Otherwise, yeah. So. Yeah, it takes a long time to make. I think he suggested uh, earlier this week that potentially, like, if you're a business or, like, a politician or something, um, that that will require a subscription fee. But just like average users won't. But if you're like a brand or something that they might start charging. Mm. I, I don't I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But I, I heard that sort of floated out uh, this week. Um, John Gurley said, make it like MySpace. I like that, man. <laughs> let me let me uh, put HTML on my Twitter page and have a top top eight. And you know what I'm saying? I, I put a music player on that joint so I could promote my music. Hey, people at the time, you know, made fun of Tom and MySpace. It was so like there was it was no toxicity, you know, like it was like the OG sort of social network. But it wasn't a place where you get on and be like, well, I'm worried if someone's going to yell at me. Yeah. Some some random stranger is going to yell at me for an an opinion they believe I have. It was like MySpace was just goofy and fun. I I think if we can make it more like that. Do you remember why MySpace Ended? I mean, like, the I mean, ads, I know man. Facebook. The ads. the ads. Well, yeah, to my recollection, it was when Rupert Murdoch bought it. I think he's paid, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, but essentially looked at it as, can I recoup my investment as quickly as possible? And in doing so, he did, but drove it into the ground because they just over monetized the whole platform until no one wanted to use it anymore. That, it was, that was just pop-up ad after pop-up ad yeah. after pop-up ad after pop-up ad. Mm-hmm. And then it, it started getting crazy. It'd be like strange stuff like pharmaceuticals and just mm-hmm. odd stuff that didn't even matter to what you're doing. It, it, it seemed like basically the Murdoch strategy was what he has done with a lot of publications, which is essentially buy them, uh, turn them into a tabloid to make a ton of money really quickly. And if they die, that's OK. Just move on to the next one. That seemed like kind of the strategy they employed with MySpace. Ouch. All right. Well, there's a lot more where that came from. Go check it out. We'll uh, we'll forward them over to Elon. So just yeah. you know, send all your ideas over to us at Relevant Podcast. We'll be your middleman. Um Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Okay, at the beginning of the show, we we spent a lot of time 
around talking about the very important topic of the week. You know, the thing that's on everybody's mind. We devoted the first 10 minutes of the show to it. Going to the dentist. That is mm. clearly what I'm talking about. So what we want to know for this week's feedback is your craziest dentist experience. That's it. Tell us your <laughs> dentist story. Hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can uh, tell us on Instagram or else wherever we post this. Do you y'all guys, have any? Okay. Well, I have to tell you this. This is not mine. It's a friend of mine. They were at the dentist for the first time in like a decade. Okay. Because they, they just didn't realize why they hadn't been there. They're in the dentist chair. And as as soon as they start, start um, doing their work, this friend of mine has a panic attack because they have memories that came back to them. Okay. So while they're sitting in the chair, mouth open, noise of the dentist tools, they have a panic attack because memory that they had not remembered ever in their life came back. They remember when they were young, that their dad had told them the dentist was a very, very, very scary place. And so their dad cleaned their teeth with tools at home oh my because, because they couldn't Yo! afford, listen, they couldn't afford to go to the dentist. So instead of the dad telling them, Hey, we can't afford it. He said, the dentist is so scary. I'm going to do it at home. So that person's in the chair, panic attack, having memories flashback of their dad cleaning their teeth at home. This is terrible. Yeah. And plot twist, oh the dad, his name, John Wayne Gacy. It's crazy. It was a- <laughs> Yeah, that? I, I don't that's know who that is. terrible. Who is that? He's a serial killer a serial from like killer the, <laughs> the subject, the subject of a new Netflix true crime explo- ex- exploitive. Uh, For some reason, I was thinking of John Wilkes Booth, and I was yeah. like, "What? An assassin? I don't get the joke. Lincoln? I don't get the joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what, he would clean their teeth with like with like garage tools. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know what he was doing, but he was cleaning their his kids' teeth and telling mm. them the dentist was super scary, so he was going to do it at home. First of all. I don't want to see in my kid's mouth, you know, like I'm not going to get up that close and personal. Like, man, I'm trying to tell you. The dad was trying to love his child by not telling them we don't have the money. And instead he ruined his child's dentist experience. He's like, listen, it's, it's terrible, but don't worry. We're going to take care of you. I just yeah. need, where's my Phillips head screwdriver? Where is it? <laughs> I need the exacto knife. Where's the exacto knife? Oh, God. Yes. Oh, God. Poor kid. Oh, Yay, that's terrifying. That's crazy. All right. Well, hit us up with your dentist stories at Relevant Podcast. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Kel Mitchell for joining us today. That's really cool. Also, make sure to uh, view the spring issue of Relevant. Uh, we have Ryan Reynolds, Bob Goff, Channing Tatum, Shauna Nequist, so much more. There's an ad-supported version at RelevantMagazine.com that you can read for free. Or Relevant Plus subscribers get an ad-free enhanced edition that um, is just for them. So check that out. Also, like I mentioned, we're hiring at Relevant. Go visit RelevantMediaGroup.com for more information and to apply. And to stay in touch with everything we're doing, or at least the best stuff that we're doing, sign up for the Relevant Daily Newsletter over at our website. Uh, It's the top five trending stories in in your inbox every weekday morning. Great way to keep in touch, but an even better way to keep in touch is following Relevant on all the socials. We're publishing on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, every day. Go check it out. Follow along. Okay, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you next time. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. 
Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. I do not want turn-of-the-century dentistry. That's straight up a nightmare. Relevant Podcast Network.